So, folks, welcome to episode 239 of the Alamo Auto Podcast. This is your host, Jared Kamas, joined, as always, by my co-host, Adrian Mutis. Adrian, welcome back, sir. Another National Signing Day in the books. We're here to break it all down for the people. Yes, indeed. Very excited for a little bit of a recap, which, Jared, we definitely want to let the people know we have touched a little bit on early signing day already for our early mm-hmm. signees. We touched on about two-thirds of this class so far. It's in a previous Patreon episode, so please go back and listen to that to catch up. We're only going to be discussing the new signees today, the new transfers into UTSA, Jared. Yeah, we'll probably talk a little bit about some of the early signee guys towards the back half of the episode. We're going to kind of give our general thoughts on the class, but we're taking a really detailed, granular look at uh, the seven gentlemen who signed their national letter of intent to play for the Roadrunners today. Catching guys up, you know, introducing the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Very, very excited. Very excited to go over the class. It looks like a good class so far, Jared. Um, you know, we keep consistently hearing the quality over quantity from Coach Up Trailer. And 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 I think that's shaping out to certainly be the case here. Um let me uh let me let you guys in on a little secret on how 24-7 ranks their classes. Um so they use a pretty funky algorithm and it's essentially the highest rated guy is weighted heaviest in your class ranking. So if you have like one five star and a bunch of three stars, you get more credit for that five star than like the low rate of three stars. Um, if you've got a bunch of like really solid, you know, high three stars, but no four or five star, you're going to be behind, you know, the previous example that I gave of having that five star. Um, so now that schools are signing 35, 36, 45 player classes, if you only have one guy that's really highly rated and you've got a bunch of mediocre recruits um, outside of that, you're probably going to end up ranked fairly highly. Hmm. So the quality and quantity thing is a fair debate. And every team has it every year. You know, every mm-hmm. every team that finishes where UTSA finishes in the recruiting ranking this year is going to have the same argument, no matter what kind of player they actually sign. Uh, but I look at this class and I see a lot of, lot of really great players. Um, I think a lot of guys that are underrated. Um, and hey, maybe some that are a little overrated too. But... I think, like, to me, I think Coach Trailer was comfortable taking the guys that his staff evaluated to be impact players and not feeling that he had to go chase the star uh, ranking and stuff like that. So, I mean, overall, I'm pretty happy with this class. I don't think it's as strong as, as last year, um, I guess, relative to expectation, but uh, still a really good class, in my opinion. Yeah, and again, you know, I, I still think just sort of on a broad scale, the the ranking, the star system is – probably a little too overweighted by most fans. Um, sure, it's important, but there's a lot more intangible stuff. I think that, that that's more important to measuring a guy than just as, especially a transfer, mm-hmm. than just what his star ranking is, which you see is very, very transfer heavy this year. And, and to your point, Jared, Jeff Trailer was talking about whenever asked about why it was so transfer heavy. He said something along the lines of, we need guys that can come into this program and, and fix the problems that we have quickly. Right. There's a real emphasis on the quickly part of it. Um, so it's as if, you know, the, 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 the few cracks that UTSA have, a few holes that need to be plugged in is really what we're focused in on. And we're trying to get the most talent into those positions right away. 
not in two years, not in three years, trying to remain competitive here, right? At the at the top echelon. It's not a rebuild, it's a it's a retool, rehaul. Uh I I think that is true for this program. And so I, I think the direction that we're going recruiting wise matches that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you know, there's like so many different facets to this discussion. Um, but I think it's also a good sign for roster strength that UTSA signed 22 guys and not 45 guys like some schools have. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, some of those 45, they're going to be great players and they're going to be a hit, um, you know, under the radar or whatever. But it's more likely that you're going to have a third, if not more of those guys, be a total bust. Uh, and that's a lot of dead weight on the roster. Right. So the position that UTSA is in where they're returning a really, really, really big chunk of that roster um, and they don't feel like they have to go out and sign a million guys, I think is a really good sign. But when you look at the recruiting ranking, it's just that snapshot of one class and it's not the overall strength of the roster. Um, So I would say keep that in mind. And of course, you're not getting credit for a guy like. It's a good example, Uh, a guy that was not a highly great recruit, but it's returning this year. Um. Oh, um, the guard, um, big Juco guy started this year. I'm in offseason mode. The one that had to change positions. You're talking about Buffalo. Cor- no, Buffalo Corey Godnet. Corey, Corey Godnet. Corey Godnet. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he was like one of the start. lowest, one of the lowest rated guys in the in the past class. He came in immediate starter. He's coming back next year. He's going to be even better next year. Um, so that doesn't factor in to that ranking. Um, but if UTSA were to sure. go out and get you know, some 0.87, you know, recruit and, and sign that guy, the recruiting rank would be higher, but because they kept Godinet, prevented him from going to power five school or whatever, um, mm-hmm. they're not going to, that's not going to show up in the rankings. Right. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And you know what it also, well, you, and you know what the you, bringing in 22 guys instead of 40 guys that also speaks to Jeff trailers year over year ability to, retain his roster utsa doesn't need to go get 40 guys because right. we didn't have 40 guys leave the program the offseason they're all still here and this happens mm-hmm. year over year with uh jeff trailer it seems like they're able to retain a majority of the roster and they're also able to retain a majority of their top talent year over year um mm-hmm. this is tremendous it's, 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 it's tremendous that that speaks volumes i think jeff trailer said something about you know being able to keep Joshua Cephas and, and Frank Harris for, his, for for so many years through the entirety of their career. That's a hell of a recruiting job. Um, thought that was I thought that was a really good comment. Yeah, it's one that I agree with as well. I think it's easy to kind of use that as an excuse or roll your eyes at it or whatever. But I think for most G5 programs out there, they'd much prefer to keep their standout player that was all conference than uh, bring you know to, to go sign yeah. some some uh-huh. you know power five transfer as a play to four years or you know highly sure. recruit you know whatever totally totally so yeah I, yeah i mean it's uh it's 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 good stuff from trailer and utsa and so shall we get into it shall we get into the seven new names jared let's do it but before we get to it we want to get some shout outs man uh it's been a a big couple of weeks for us here at alma audibles we picked up some new subscribers and it's, it's so cool to see so many new subscribers come in when it's not football season um so shout out to eric moreno for joining the booster tier and we had a whole bunch of people sign up for the insider tier i think they're all relatives of mr mickey perez who was on around the birdbath patreon episode last week i apologize if any of these people are not relatives 
Uh, but I saw a lot of Perez in the email addresses. So shout out to Michael, Kara, Carm, Sylvester, and Mark all for joining us at the Insider Tier. Awesome. Incredible stuff. That's and, a great interview. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, for those that are not Patreon subscribers, Dan had Mickey on. Uh, he was on the very first UTSA baseball team. He, they had four guys get drafted that first season, and Mickey was one of the first. He went to the Cubs uh, pretty late in the draft, but it was really cool to hear Mickey's stories. And, you know, if you think the baseball program is underfunded now, you should just hear what these guys were going through, you know, back in the 90s. Unreal, was, man. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a rollicking episode for sure. <laughs> And, and and if you are looking for baseball coverage, I highly suggest you sign up for Patreon in general, as Dan is the best damn UTSA baseball beat reporter on the scene. And yes, he will have a regular episode on our Alamo Audible feed of his Around the Birdbath, sort of recaps and summaries and updates for the week. But the Patreon is also just going to be pumped with bonus content for him, as it always is during the baseball season. It's just tremendous stuff. Um, Jared talks about the program being underfunded back in the 90s. I mean, still to this day, they are undercovered by media outlets. Well, not here at Alamo Audible, not by Mr. Dan Nerdall of Around the Bird Bath of Alamo Audible. So, yes, yeah, please. He just bought a tripod for his iPhone to take more video interviews. And we're going to get him a microphone for field recordings. And we're, we're, we're really stepping it up, man. The guy is dedicated, man. So yeah, he's traveling to Houston for the Sugarland Classic. I'll be out there. Yeah, man, we're going all in. Tremendous. And of course, we have a, another massive new sponsor, uh, the Board of Trustees member. Shout out to Artisan Paper CBD. They'll be bringing you each episode for the next month. We've got their banner ads up on the website. Definitely check them out. Uh, Adrian, there are a lot of options when it comes to, you know, shopping for CBD and Delta products and vape liquids and all that stuff. I mean, I feel like you can't throw a rock and hit a shop somewhere near you. So for me, when it comes to the choice of where to shop for those kind of products, obviously, I'm going to support people that support the Audible Mm. Mm. Yes, indeed. A tremendous shout out to Artisan Paper and CBD. You got to go. Look, there's two locations on the north side, just a few miles from UTSA. So whatever you're looking for your vapor products, your CBD, your Kratom, your Delta 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, the e-liquids, the vape juice, Artisan's got all of it. That's where you need to go to get it. Uh, I totally second that, Jared. You know, I mean, anyone that lives in like a a, a suburb of of, of yeah. any city in Texas, it's just like every single strip mall. I mean, right next to like your grocery store, there's a vape store, right? There's the mm H E B Twin Liquors, and then a vape <laughs> shop, right? So right. you know, if you're gonna go to any of them, choose Artisan. They chose Alamo Audible. I mean, come on. And I think the big difference with Artisan and all these other mom and pop kind of vapor shops out there is they've been here for a long time. They started in 2013, right? So this saturation of the market we're talking about just did not exist back then. And they don't just have the two locations near UTSA. They've got 40 locations across the U.S. Uh, they've got several in the Houston area, the Dallas area. So no matter, no matter where you're listening from, you likely have an Artisan vapor nearby and since they've been in the industry for so long they have access to deals that you're just not going to get anywhere else 
they know which brands are trustworthy and reliable and they've got great prices on them. So I love really that. cannot recommend them enough. And they've been I great love, to work with. I love the OG status 2013. I'm pretty sure I was taking my first vape pools in 2013 <laughs> as a junior sophomore stumbling around the UTSA campus in the greater north side, San Antonio. Wow, that's incredible. So, I mean, they've really seen the whole entire game change from start to finish, man, because, I mean, it's it, the whole landscape's changed. But all all these little random pop-ups that you're seeing, it's like they're, they're some first-time franchisee, some shop that's probably going to close within nine months, right? Mm-hmm. Not Artisan. They're OGs in the game. I love that. That's a good point. Great point. Yeah, shout-out to Artisan. Yeah, absolutely. You'll be hearing more from us uh, for these next couple of episodes throughout March, so stay tuned. We appreciate the support. All right, Adrian, let's get into it. we got seven guys to go through. We're going alphabetical order. All of these guys are all transfers, all seven of them, which is all interesting. Seven. I mean, all it's seven. we still, I still don't think we've seen a full on like transfer class for UTSA in the sense that like they pretty much only take transfers. You still got a solid balance in this class. You know, it's more transfer heavy than it's ever been. Uh, but it makes sense. I mean, when we had our Patreon episode, where we were like looking at the guys that are leaving the roster and, and the impact that they had. Um, it's clear that they're going to need some instant contributors to come in and, and you know, play that role, you know, find their spot on the two deep. Um, but yeah, it's a big departure. I think it's a big change. I think you can tell that coach trailer is like still kind of uncomfortable with it. You know, he's a high school guy at heart through and through. And I think if it was up to him, he would sign 25 Texas high school football players year in and year out. And hopefully half of them are from San Antonio, but just not the reality. And, you know, mm-hmm. rebuilding seasons don't exist anymore. You can't really just say, we're going to put the freshman out there. He's going to take his licks. And next year, he's going to be a stud. Those programs are are getting lapped pretty fastly. You got to go and get those guys that can step in from day one. Right. I, I think for the most part, these seven guys, most of them are going to fit that bill. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, there's there's no guarantee that you come back from the rebuild anymore. I mean, because things are just changing so fast. Right. These teams that are going to dedicate to that rebuild, I mean, they might just be entering a, a purgatory or digging the hole deeper perpetually. So you you got to just reload. You got to retool. I love the the strategy here. Yeah, so 10 players from the high school ranks, um, 12 players that are coming through the transfer portal, seven today. And Jared, d- d- correct me if I'm wrong, five or six if not all seven of these guys utsa did initially recruit whenever they were coming out of high school right missed on them the first time and now they're sort of coming back around uh to utsa mm-hmm. on the second hall so it's interesting because you know whenever you miss those guys there's like all of like the death and despair amongst the fan base like oh i thought we were gonna get them and they get, you know, like dj allen picks tcu over utsa and i think uh it's just a example from memory right and that think, one hurt I think a lot of people thought we were going to get it, but then he ends up coming right back. And so in this, that's another one of those things, a part of this new transfer portal landscape is that just because you miss on a guy coming out of high school, doesn't mean he might not be right back at your doorstep two years later. I think the real recruiting sickos among us will remember back in the summer, UTSA was bringing in a lot of four-star guys on official visits. And it's like, damn, they really have a chance. Did they really have a shot here? And I was always just thinking it doesn't matter this year because these guys are going to go Oklahoma State, Texas, wherever they end up going. They're not going to play much the first two years. Those schools are going to go throw a bag at some, you know, all conference player at another school and bring them in to be an instant starter. And then that high school kid is like, well, damn, you know, when am I going to get my playing time? And then, they're, well, you know, Coach Trailer's still at UTSA. 
most of his staff is still there. Even that recruiting assistant guy, he's the wide receiver coach now or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they've got those connections. Mm-hmm. They hit those guys up and they come to a place where they're comfortable and know that they're going to find playing time. And I think that uh, this is the first time we've seen that strategy really start to pay off. But I think even more so in the future, uh, we'll see, you know, especially some of those local kids that have chosen to go to the power five schools. I think a lot of those guys are going to end up looking back towards San Antonio and, you know, two to three years. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a bigger play. It's a bigger play at hand here. Long term, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first guy on the list is Jalen Garth. He's a six foot five, 310 pound offensive lineman from Port Neches Grove outside of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting career path for Garth. Uh, he was a four star coming out of high school, signed with the Longhorns, didn't really play much there. Um, then he transferred back home to Houston, where I think that he was in the two deep. I think he saw some action there for the Cougars, uh, but dealt with some injury problems and wasn't able to uh, really claim like a starting spot. So I think for Garth, it's really going to come down to health. You know, how how healthy is he? Can he play a full 12, 13, 14 game season? I think the capability is not a big question. I think he's pretty athletic for tackle. He can definitely play this level. Um, it's just a question of, you know, is he going to be available or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, is he going to be available or not? I mean, I, I think he brings a lot of talent here, man. I mean, this guy was highly, highly touted coming out of North Shore High School. I'm sorry, coming out of a Port Neches Groves. Um, and it was a, a, a top 20 coming out at, at the position of offensive tackle. Um, big on the ESPN 300 list on David Campbell's 300 list. There's tons of talent in the position, and and he was effective at his stops um, at Houston, at Texas. Mm-hmm. When he was on the field, he was he produced. You know, he produced. He produced at all those places. He just hasn't been on the field very much because of the injuries. And and he's got the size there. You know, it's just a matter of him getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Even if he can't get fully healthy, it's, I think it's it's an immense piece of talent that this offensive line is going to have at a rotational position. I mean, Jared, you know, we were just going through the departing roadrunner evaluations and that offensive line, it was the only position where we actually made exception to our starter rule to have somebody be a a a cornerstone, or sorry, a, a standout at their position, because of how important, because of how crucial the rotational pieces are at offensive line. I mean, there's guys that are so important for this team at that position for four years on end, and and they, and and even never even being consistent starters, they end up being ex- anchors uh, for the program at the mm-hmm. end of the day. I, I think if Garth has production. You know, at a minimum, like Payne Hebert had when Payne Hebert transferred in from Northwestern, another guy that just had injury problems through his whole career continued to happen when he was at UTSA, but he was able to see the field enough and have enough of a veteran presence where he could step in and, you know, kind of plug and play at offensive guard positions um, where, you know, we considered him to be a contributor, which means that he had a, a very positive impact at UTSA, um, even though he was limited by his health while here. So, you know, if that's the floor for Garth, um, that's pretty good, right? Anything above that is is a plus, right? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. <clears throat> Next guy on the list, probably the guy we're going to talk about the most. Uh, definitely the exclamation point and the question mark on this class. That's Denver Harris. He's a six foot one cornerback, hundred ninety pounds from North Shore High School in Houston, mm. Texas. Mm. Big UTSA pipeline. Uh, but Harris had a few stops 
along the way to San Antonio. He originally signed with Texas A&M as part of uh, Texas A&M's record-breaking, uh, 20, I think it was a class of 2020 um, that they had a top-ranked class, and uh, got dismissed from the team at A&M, went to LSU, also dismissed from the team at LSU. So he enters UTSA as a, probably the most athletic player that's ever signed with the Roadrunners. He's uh, so 24 seven, they, they, they assign a grade to everyone at high school. And then if you enter the portal, sometimes they'll give you a, a transfer grade. Um, so UTSA's had plenty of four-star guys transfer in, uh, but they've never had a guy with a four-star transfer rating coming to UTSA. So that means it's not just like he's transferring because he wasn't effective, didn't play any at his other schools. Uh, he was very good. Actually. He, he got a four-star rating as a transfer. It's just the character concerns, you know? Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the it's, it's, it's just insane. Um, the signing right here, man, I, I think, uh, Denver Harris, I mean, this guy could very easily come to UTSA and, and what Jared and be the best secondary player. Mm-hmm. that we've had in, in program history by, by a long shot. I mean, without a doubt, the most talent that we've ever had there. And it's not even close. Um, the guy was freshman year at Texas A&M. He only played in five games. And at the midway mark, he was named to the midseason freshman All-American team. And that's the athletic in the SEC. And, you know, the, the, the guy had his best performances against Alabama. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is the is the North Shore connection. So he played underneath Joe Price while he was at North Shore. Um, that's a big reason why this UTSA North Shore pipeline is in existence right now mm-hmm. and why he is probably the most important assistant coach on the staff, uh, especially whenever it comes to recruiting. I don't know if that could be argued. Um, you get a five-star recruit coming out of North Shore High School, going to Texas A&M, bounced over to LSU, and now, and now he ends up at UTSA. A guy that they tried to recruit coming out of North Shore, you, just, you missed him. He had just way mm-hmm. too much talent to end up right. at UTSA. Um, but here you go, playing the long game. Now he's right back at your doorstep. Yep. Uh, Denver Harris's mistakes are pretty easy to find on Google uh, if, if you go searching. Um, I'm sure some of the stuff out there is not true and some message board numbers and stuff, but he's never been convicted of a crime, no violent aggression or, you know, sexual misconduct or anything like that. Um, he's not a criminal. He's just been kind of boneheaded, I guess you could say. Um, like that. I hope that he didn't listen to our ad read. Um, <laughs> hope he's hope he's laying all that kind of stuff. Sure. But uh, he went viral because he recorded a video of him driving through a parking garage in College Station at like 60 miles an hour or something like that. Uh, Just really immature stuff. And it's one thing to take a guy when he made that mistake at his first school. It's a wake-up call. Matures, straightens up. Uh, But for that to happen at two consecutive schools, you got to ask, is he really going to learn his lesson this time? I think the connection with Coach Price is definitely going to help, right? I think Coach Price is going to know this kid. He's going to really care about him as a human because he's got multiple year long relationship with him. But I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of guys that I grew up with um, 
just let opportunities like this go to waste because they couldn't get out of their own way. And um, I think it's fair to, to be skeptical and to ask these questions. But I will say if I was in the coaching staff shoes, I would have done the exact same thing that they did. I, I would, I'd roll the dice on him. You can't pass up. You cannot pass up the opportunity on this much talent. I understand you're going to have a little bit of flack that comes with it, but Jared, a clean criminal record. And I think you knock it out of the park with that particular piece of information. It's a lot more controversial of a pickup if there is some sort of criminal record that exists. Right. But the guy didn't even have a misdemeanor. So there's hearsay, there's locker room incident. Yeah, there's some stupid videos of him on social media. Um, he's done some dumb stuff. Party boy, look, Houston, a, a, a lot of these really good Houston football schools a lot of their really, really good athletes, man, you're going to see a little bit of this makeup in there. And it's just a matter yeah. of whether you can mature past it as you continue to grow up. Um, like you, you can even point to Joshua Cephas from a place like the Caney High School. You just got a little bit of that in you. And, and I think Coach Trailer really highlighted things extremely well is um, I was fortunate enough to not get caught doing some of the things I did from 19 mm -hmm. to 22 years old. Um, and, and I think that's the fact of the matter for 99% of people. Um, we all made the dumb decisions. Some of us got caught, some of us didn't. <laughs> Almost anyone that's this podcast has done stuff worse than what Denver <laughs> Harris has gotten caught doing, right? Right. My, my tone on this would be so different if like he was in bar fights, um, if he was accused of abusing right. his partner. I mean, the longtime listeners will remember, man, when UTSA signed that one kid uh, from LSU, that uh, threw his pregnant girlfriend against the wall. I mean, I went mm -hmm. ballistic, dude. I, I just like that whole season was hard for me to stomach. First bowl game in, in program history, and I'm sitting there in the stands, like just thinking, like they only got here because they took a woman beater on the team. You know, I've never yeah. gotten over that, and I don't feel that way about Dipper Harris, right? It's just like, is he gonna put it all together? Is is this finally the environment where he's going to be the best version of himself? And um, you know, not only be a contributor to this program, but also just be a contributor to society um, as, as you know, just a, a decent human being and all of that. If anyone's, um, the, if anyone's able to get him there, it's Jeff Trailer. Jeff Trailer is the yeah. type to develop that mm -hmm. off the field into a man. And look, it's, it's just about maturing. It's you got to learn how to moderate the fun right yeah. now. I want to hit on, know, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know Denver. I don't know his family. I don't know his background. North shore is not a very prosperous area. Right. And then you talk about East side, East side, Houston, dude, deep East side, You're man. talking about the deep East side, man. You, and you, you know, you signed with A&M yeah. and then, well, what was the name of that guy who was like talking about all the A&M uh, NIL stuff was a sliced bread. I think was the username of that oh, account. Okay. I don't know if you remember that, <laughs> but supposedly like every kid who signed the A&M class, like got a million dollars or something crazy. Like yeah, that. yeah. Who knows what's true and who's not. Um, but when you come from a low income environment and then you get handed that kind of money, I mean, it's like, lottery winners go broke within a couple of years every time because like your brain just like you can't handle it like you don't know what to do um so i do wonder if not being at a school where he's getting 500k in nil money uh maybe kind of <laughs> puts his uh, head back on his shoulders a little bit and uh he stops doing crazy stuff i don't know just thought of that yeah man again you know i mean there's 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 a there's a big like common theme when it comes to big high school football powerhouses that are like, um, you know, on, on the Eastern 
hemisphere of Houston, right? East of Interstate 45. And um, and even even a little bit on that northwest side too, you mm-hmm. know, before it gets too affluent of neighborhoods. Um, and and dude, North Shore, you're talking about the ship channel, man. Yeah, it's 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 a rough area and, and they produce ex- insane talent, but it's it's one of those where you're gonna get a lot of those fast lane, crazy kids, prom child, whatever you want to call it, dude. Right. So it's just a matter of, of of maturing. We'll see if Denver can mature, but it's a chance that you gotta take. Guys got no record, give him a shot. Cut us some slack. Let's see him get out here and ball out. Let's see him get out here, get involved in the community, make some good decisions. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think for right now, you got to consider him a starter until he messes up or, you know, is not yeah. is not available to go. But Let him come here talent. and set records. Let him come here and set records, man. Yeah. You know, watch what he can blossom into. How about Coach Trailer with the, I don't know if they're four or five stars until y'all tell me, comment. Oh, man, um, come on. <laughs> I know he's got JJ side bookmark, man. He's F5 in that sucker every day. Don't play. Don't play. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Let's keep let's keep rolling. Next up, Ian Jackson. Mm. Big name school coming in from Alabama. Inside linebacker there. Mm. Um, only played in three games last season. Or no, in 2022, excuse me, yeah. for, for Bama. Didn't play at all last year. Um, yeah. But you look at his high school film, you can see why he was uh, an Alabama recruit. Very, very explosive. A lot of range, I would say. Um, moves really well in space. Very forceful. Um, it's just, you know, these are the kind of recruits where it's just so hard to tell because if this guy was playing for Jacksonville State or UAB, he's probably an all-conference player, but we just haven't been able to see that. And you know, does riding the bench for so long affect his psyche and he kind of loses um, his confidence and his ability to perform? I mean, who knows? Uh, we, we've seen it go both ways here at UTSA. I mean, I think Charles Wiley is like the ideal outcome where he played a little bit at Ole Miss, not much, wasn't a huge impact player, um, takes that step yeah. down in competition when it comes to UTSA and just kind of becomes a total beast. So that's ideal. Uh, but then there's other guys uh, to, to do another Ole Miss transfer going way back, like Kimberly Cades. I don't know if anyone remembers him. He was like the class of 2013 or something like that. And uh, he's another guy from Ole Miss and play much. Came to UTSA, didn't do much here either. So these are the biggest toss ups for me. The guys that were starters at G5 schools or whatever, um, it's a bit easier, I think, to predict what their floor is going to be. Uh, but for the guys that, didn't do much of anything at their previous like blue blood school. It's really hard to know what to expect. I think what makes it so hard to gauge is just the fact that they've been out of competition, real time football for so long. Right. So you look at a guy like Ian Jackson, he comes out of high school in 2021 as the number 14 outside linebacker in the country. Um, which he grew up in Alabama, right down the road from Tuscaloosa. Red shirts, 2021, 2022 only plays on special teams in those three games, working kickoff coverage. 2023 doesn't play a single snap. Doesn't say anything about an injury, mm-hmm. but he's healthy, right? But he's also playing at the highest possible level of competition and we're talking about intra squad competition. I mean, I can't imagine how heavy the talent is in a linebacker room at Alabama. Right. 
it sounds like that's probably why he didn't see the field in 2023 because he just wasn't high enough on that totem pole when it came mm-hmm. to the talent room. I I love the fact that he was so talented and he has not gotten injured. So I still think there's there's a good floor here. I think that floor is is, is plenty enough high to come over to AAC sure. and be competitive at UTSA, especially in a linebacker room where it's going to be a fraction of the competition you had at Alabama. I, I, yeah. I, I think this is one of those positions where UTSA needs that. He could come in and compete right away. Yeah, and, and to that point, though, they do have like two solidified starters at inside linebacker. So I think they don't need to like force him into a starting role. I think he can come in, get readjusted, compete for the playbook. Right. Just like yeah. Octavius French did last year. You know, he came in from Tennessee. He didn't start right off the bat. It was clear his athleticism was higher than the guy who was starting over him. And then over the course of the season, you know, French kind of took hold of that starting spot and and just elevated that defense. You know, once he uh, uh, found his his you know kind of role in the defense, if you will, found his comfort level. Um, so I think we'll probably see that for Ian Jackson as well. I mean, I would love for him to step in as a starter, but um, that would be a big surprise for me. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, we got. A lot of guys in this class from New Mexico. Uh, UTSA essentially poached the Lobos after their head coaching change, mm. and uh, they got a pretty good safety out of it. Jamarius Lewis, five foot eleven, hundred eighty five pounds from Summit, Mississippi. Got played a ton at New Mexico. Played in twenty four games there with eleven starts over the past two seasons. Sixty eight total tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, a sack, eight pass breakups, three interceptions, four fumble. Mm. Yeah, freshman season, 2022, played in all 12 games mm-hmm. at the safety position, man, and um, was really just firing output on the stat line right away. I mean, all season long, since, since he showed up as a Lobo. Uh, this looks like a tremendous signing. Jared, I, I'm really excited about Jamarius Lewis. And and with a position of safety where you lose um, you know, four, five-year captain now in Rashad Wisdom, we need to see who's gonna come in and pick up the slack and maybe take that safety position to even even to a greater height than he ever had it to. Um, Jamarius Lewis looks extremely talented, man. Yeah, I, I'll throw a caveat on there. I, I watch a lot of uh New Mexico game highlights because there's three roadrunners that were playing for them last year. Mm. Um, so, you know, usually when I do that kind of film breakdown for a transfer, I'm like skipping all the offensive plays and just watching the defense or vice versa. Uh, but since you said guys got guys on both sides of the ball, I was watching that whole 30 minute YouTube clip. And, uh, I did see Lewis give up quite a few touchdowns, sometimes miscommunication, sometimes guessing the wrong route, sometimes just getting outplayed, you know, uh, but pro football focus does like him a lot. Uh, they rated him pretty highly. Um, but I, I think anytime you could get a, a young guy with starting experience like that at the G5 level, you got to take it, man. I mean, even if he's a second, third string guy and he plays 30 snaps a game, he's going to give you a very consistent level of performance. And um, I think from a depth perspective, he's going to be a big upgrade over uh, what UTSA was bringing to the table last year as far as like backup safeties go. Yeah, definitely so, man. Um, yeah, I... I... And a, and a lot of that could have just been immaturity, right? Learning the speed at the well, at the. It was level. a bad team you know? too. You know, their coach got fired. Uh-huh. 
So I think that's that true. obviously has an effect. Um, yeah, I don't know no culture. the pressure they got on the pocket, the defensive line. So check this out in high school. He was a member of geek squad. I saw that. I wonder what, what that entails. A, what a feast. Um, I he was in geek squad in Mississippi. Must be some interesting characters. I knew what was he working on like 96 windows is in 2020s. Still some still some dudes down there rocking the big bricks dial up, probably. <laughs> um so Jared, what is about what about just like um your overall impression on UTSA going for New Mexico and getting a lot of talent from New Mexico, just sort of general. I think it's a pretty good move. I mean, I think most, I think two of the three guys are are Texas high school kids. So they probably have existing relationships with them, kind of know what they're about. Um, and I think it gives a level of comfort to those guys as well that, you know, they all kind of transfer in together and they get sit together and all of that. Um, so I think it's a good move, man. I like it. I think yeah. if it, like I said earlier, I think if anything, it gives really solid depth, if nothing else. Yeah, I think so. I think all the guys are borderline to start. I don't think they're like clear cut starters from day one. I think all guys are all those guys are capable of starting. Could be a solid starter, uh, but I feel pretty confident they're at least going to be in that second string, first to rotate in. Nice. Okay, what do we have all next right. on the list? Next up, this guy's really interesting, man. Kamar yes. Missouri, six foot six, three hundred five pound transfer offensive lineman uh, from Rutgers. Uh, Missouri's got a pretty cool story. So um, I can't remember if it was a walk-on or just a late addition, but he was essentially unrecruited. Rutgers takes him in as a defensive lineman. They convert him to offense. Uh, he ends up starting four games for them last year at offensive tackle. Uh, plays really well in some games and really struggles in, in others. Um, but he got thrown into the fire, learned that position, performed well overall. And now I think he's going to be going to a school where he's going to have a good shot to earn a start starting spot, man. I think he's physically capable. Uh, he moves really well. Very, very athletic, super athletic. Anytime you pull a guy from defense, the offensive line, they're, they're gonna, probably going to be a step up as far as footwork goes and stuff like that. And uh, what's interesting about Missouri, when I looked at his uh, PFF stuff, is uh, the FCS team that they played, one of his starts, he was dominant. He had a great game. The game that he struggled with was against Michigan. <laughs> and uh, I think anyone who watched the uh, national championship this year could see why an offensive lineman converted from defensive line might struggle to block the Michigan defensive line in that game. So I'm not putting any stock into that poor performance. You take that one out, he had a really great season. Look at his progression, you know, as a true freshman, doesn't play anything, redshirt freshman, one game, and then plays in eight games as a sophomore, ends up starting the last four games of his junior season. So there's like this very clear snowball of progression that he's gone on through his career. And when I look at Kamar Missouri, I really like his build, man. 6'5", yeah. 295, but he's built like, with like this lean muscle, but very strong, mm -hmm. like still big. He looks like an extremely athletic, agile guy. Um, so I, 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 I like, I like this a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a, a great transfer to take a flyer on. You know, you two say he's got enough on that offensive line where um, they don't need to bring in a, a surefire starter. They can take a, a gamble on someone who's got a high ceiling, like I think Missouri does with his athletic ability. 
um, and see, you know, if they can develop him into a standout player. So I'm all for it. Clearly a big focus. Um, I'm counting six of the 22 Mm-hmm. Uh, signees thus far. So, what is that? Over a quarter of the class, mm-hmm. offensive linemen. This is just an extreme focus on making sure that position gets stronger and stronger. Stock continues up. to have more rotation and stocked up. Yeah, yep, necessary. Okay, next up is a guy. Uh, he might be my under the radar pick. Cornerback Zach Morris, mm-hmm. another one of those New Mexico transfers. Six foot one, one eighty five. The dude's yoked. He's got like huge biceps for a corner. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but uh, he's another guy. I mean, just like Jamarius Lewis, he played a ton for them in the past two years, played in 24 games over the past two seasons. So stayed healthy. Uh, total 47 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, 13 pass breakups, one interception, forced two fumbles, started all their games last year, um, had a kickoff return. So obviously he's got that athleticism. And uh, Texas kid from Flower Mound, Marcus up in the Metro. Yeah. Place. Yeah, yeah, saw that great marching band over there at Marcus High School. So Zach Morris, yeah, man, I haven't been on Twitter, but I really hope there are some Say by the Bell memes flying around the place mm. whenever uh, he first signed. But Bootleg's ears just perked up out of his helmet. Absolutely tremendous name here at UTSA, Zach Morris. I hope he's an absolute stud. Looks great. Uh, looks looks great. Um, Played in every single game as a true freshman. You, you talk about how you love seeing that uh, a younger guy, an underclassman guy with great experience. Yeah, this is this is another case of that. Mm-hmm. UTSA, right? Yeah, Morris was a hot commodity on the transfer portal. He actually signed with San Diego State on early signing day. Um, and I guess they let him out. It was in LI for him to transfer closer to home. Uh, but he had some good offers, man. He got offered by Coastal Carolina, Texas State. Um, obviously San Diego State. I think there might have been another. I mean, this is pretty solid G5 programs out there. And UTSA was able to beat them all out. And um, you know, I don't, I don't I think he's got a really good shot to see a lot of playing time because UTSA lost their top three corners, but um still a great recruiting win. And you know, I, I think in the high school guys, you get more of that excitement and that energy uh when you you have that big recruiting win head to head against some rival programs or whatever. The transfer portal stuff just moves so quickly. Like, you don't get time to hype it up, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so I think just level of interest in Morris um, really indicates his potential. And um, I'm I'm really stoked on him. I think it's a really, really big ad for UTSA. He really does have, like, unproportionately large biceps. The dude is, uh, the dude is pretty small. And then he's got the curls, too. He, he looks more like mm-hmm. A.C. Slater than he does Zach Morris. <laughs> I say by the bell people. Yeah. Nice. All right. right. Last guy on the list to wrap it up. uh, Another, you know, perhaps a little controversial pickup for UTC. Revan Mm -hmm. Randall, linebacker from Louisiana Tech, six feet tall, 225 pounds. uh, Actually played at SFA before he got to Louisiana Tech. He followed his defensive coordinator um, over there to Ruston. Um, Randall, very solid 10 game starter for Louisiana Tech. Uh, I think he was an all-conference player at SFA. Uh, was one of the best players on that defense. Um, he actually ended, I think he ended the year, or he, he at least sat out for a while. He got suspended for stomping a Utah player in the neck on national television. That's brutal. Yeah, I mean, literally a zoomed-in camera directly on a, on a ball that had been dead for probably three to four seconds. Yeah. Um, Dogpile getting up off of this uh, this. Uh, I think it was Stephen Hubbard of UTEP, offensive lineman. And um, 
Yeah, one of the most egregiously disgusting things that I've ever seen happen on a football field, and I think that's probably what most viewers of that tape would say as well. How do we how do, how do we honestly and really feel about this signing, Jared? The stomping thing, uh, you know, it's not. I mean, dude, nasty stuff goes on the field that we never Everybody, see. Yeah, you just, you can't see it on TV. You know, if Randall's problem was he did it out in the open when there was no one around him. Middle, when I was in high school, I did unspeakable yeah. things to other players' bodies. Oh, a Patreon so, <laughs> I don't think anyone you get more details on Patreon. <laughs> but I don't think anyone that played competitive football uh can look at that and, and act like they never did anything on that level. I mean, Randall's is probably worse than a lot of people, but just the heat of competition, man, the heat of the moment, it, 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 it's not a premeditated thing. But that means. dirty stuff happens, the reactions come out, the emotions come I get it, I get it, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if it was a case where that, something similar had happened at SFA, like he took his helmet off and swung on someone, I, maybe that did happen, I don't know, but just that one isolated incident, is not enough for me to say, you know, don't take this guy in. Um, if it happened off the field, that would be different. You know, again, if there's a bar fight and there's a video on social media where he stomps on sure. his neck outside of a bar, that's a, that's a no go for me. I got you. Yeah, um, but you yeah. know, the, the it's not aggravated assault when someone's wearing shoulder pads for whatever reason. So <laughs> go for it. Yeah, I I I see what you're saying, and and I agree with you that there's a lot that happens that we don't see that is probably equally as bad. So. Brevin Randall, I mean, you know, I think about it, UTSA hasn't really ever had some sort of on-field episode that's really been nasty like that, but we have always had someone on the roster prone to targeting and getting thrown out of games or getting ejected yeah. for the first half of the next week. Um, and so I guess with Rashad Wisdom leaving the program, we need someone on the roster that's that's prone to getting some uh, uh you beat me to the punchline, man. I, I was gonna say some of Rashad's hits are probably more dangerous than what Brevin did. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So look, yeah, we need an enforcer to be on the roster at all times. Brevin Randall might be that dude. Maybe he picked him up just for that. Um, but the guy's got talent. The guy, the guy could bring something to the linebacker position for UTSA. I think that's yeah, uh, definitely not a doubt. He he had some tough games. Um at Louisiana Tech, you know, the Nebraska game, the UTEP game, he struggled in those quite a bit. Um, but at SFA, he was absolutely tremendous, man. And this is a guy who's been, you know, a, a three-year starter, a five-year contributor. This guy's played a ton of ball. Um, I think he's going to pick up the defense really quickly. He's going to know offensive tendencies and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I think similar to what we said for some of these other transfers, you know, uh, maybe not, you know, step in a starting role from day one, uh, but being able to be that first guy off the bench and have that veteran presence where he's not going to be making a ton of stupid mistakes. Um, I think it's really key. Um, you know, like, like Darren Allman, uh, this past season, you know, he came in, I don't think he ever started, uh, but he was second, third string all season long and didn't make a ton of flashy plays, but he also didn't screw up very much. You know, he played his role, he played the defense, played his assignment, and, uh, you know, gave a nice contribution to this program and won a bowl game, you know? So, it, like, you got to look at these transfers a little bit different than you look at the high school guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, if they come in and they come off the bench, they play good ball, that's a win. 
So Brevin Randall, this has to be his only year of eligibility left, correct? I mean, he got to SFA yeah. in 2019, played double-digit games in each of his mm-hmm. first three seasons there, um, 10 games last year at, at LA Tech. So, Yep, this is for sure his last year. Okay. And one other point of eligibility, I know um, people were wondering about the double transfer thing for for Denver Harris. He's immediately eligible. There will be no uh, every student athletes immediately immediately eligible now. Oh, everyone is blanket. There, there's no more sitting out even if you've done even if you transferred twice. Nope. Okay, I still think unless that's... the Supreme Court says otherwise. Okay. Which hold your breath, you know. I think we'll probably be we'll probably have that rule for a long time. But for some reason there was some eligibility issues with Zay Frazier or whatever last year. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, yeah. I mean, there could be like academic eligibility issues for sure. But yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah. The act of transferring alone in and of itself is not going to cause you to lose eligibility anymore. Okay. I'm going to keep up with the changing rules, folks. To try to, man. It's like <laughs> every week there's some massive shift and, you know. Whatever, I'll, I'll save all that for another offseason podcast. We'll, we'll do a state of college ball pod. Good catch. <laughs> all right, we got through all seven guys. I'm gonna do some Patreon shoutouts. We'll take a coming break, and we'll kind of talk a little bit more big picture about the class, what's next, and all of that. Um, but I want to say thank you to all of our board of trustees members for continuing to keep us rolling uh, here at Patreon. I texted my friend last night that I was doing tax business for the podcast which sounded so ludicrous to say but it's like so cool that we have those problems now and we had we can we pay people enough to send them 1099s like that's cool <laughs> uh so thanks to everyone including digitique john otwell gary and rubin representing the utsa bird gang tailgate ray redding and meet me apparel brandon grill and the grail realty group andy elizada proficient benefit solutions ian mcclendon and seeker llc ryan squares waterman construction javon townsend the vp of the dfw chapter of the utsa alumni association utsa annual giving and our newest board of trustees members artisan vapor and cbd and of course we'd be remiss if we did not also thank our big money donors on patreon that includes ben tobar the bunch family zach is with down the san antonio podcast network alejandro benavides dan nerd hall host of around the birdbath Jacob Basso is board president for the UT Alumni Association. Oh, by the way, thank you to Jacob for having Dan on uh, their podcast, the Birds Up podcast, which we've been on ourselves. They had Dan on recently to preview the UTSA baseball season. Great episode uh, with Drew uh, from the Alumni Association. Definitely recommend checking that out. And, uh, we'll be on with Dan uh, next week as well to do our own baseball preview. So stay tuned for that. Um, and then wrap us up. Thanks to Rick Cortez of Red Road Grillers, Brandon Padrone, John Nally, and Homefield Apparel, where you can use discount code UTSA once Homefield to get 15% off your pers- first purchase. Uh, but hold off on that. Wait, uh, wait for some news to drop. It's coming. It's coming. One day, mm. one mm. day, UTSA will get their own Homefield mm. merch selection. Uh, that's how we're starting out on 2024, folks, with with positivity in the air. Uh, let's hit this quick Kumi break. We'll be back in just a minute to wrap up this episode and wrap up this recruiting class. All right, Adrian, with these seven guys in the books, 
this class is coming to an end for the Roadrunners. And hmm. I do my best thinking in, in two places, you know, when I take a shower at night and then when I'm walking my dog in the middle of the day, like between beatings and stuff. And I was walking my dog today and I was like, man, it's weird. Like it is signing day and I'm not checking my phone every 15 seconds like I usually am. Like it doesn't it doesn't have this like degree of finality to it where you're going to make a break like the next couple of seasons of your favorite football programs uh you know a lot in life uh, it just feels like another day on the calendar uh because utsa has got three scholarships left to use if any guys leave the roster you know in the spring after spring and summer whatever they can go sign another player to replace that scholarship spot leading up into the start of football season right um so it's a much more of an annual cycle um now than it used to be it's not like you got your two signing days and your guys are your guys. Um, so it's been different, man. And I think there's still work to be done on the recruiting shell to wrap this class up. I think if, if they ended with this 22, it would be a fine class. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm kind of expecting them to have, you know, three, four, five more guys come in and add on to what we see today to really make this class a, a really strong one. Yeah, I think it's necessary. And I think that's a fair expectation. Uh, three to five is probably the right estimate based off of how strategic they've been with who they've been bringing on. I know that we've missed out on some guys too as well. And so that'll probably happen a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe UTSA is pursuing eight to 10 more guys. Maybe they get half of those two thirds of them. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. It's the spots. It's, it's the positions, Jared, that's really important for UTSA to concentrate on, um, I think the big elephant in the room is is you still should go out and, and get a transfer quarterback. Yeah, I agree. So uh, Trailer did say there were three guys that they were um, heavily in the mix on that they thought they were going to get, didn't get. Mm-hmm. My guess, Ken Seals of Vanderbilt, Chandler Morris from TCU, and wow. uh, Diego Pavia from New Mexico State are, mm-hmm. are the three that I heard the most about that I think were probably the three guys that he had in mind. Sucks to not get any of those three. Trailer's story is that they told them to go watch Eddie Lee Barberger and Owen McCown film. And if they feel like they can beat those guys out and go ahead and commit, sign here and come and beat them out. Uh, none of those guys signed. That's the story. You buying it? Or is it just an L? It's got to be an L. And I know earlier in the press conference... And I don't know if this is Jeff Taylor being so freaking calculated with his you never know. With his answers, yeah. his quotes. He might have, dude, because it's way before he talks. It's way before he talks on it. He says something after someone asks him a question. He's like, we still do it the old fashioned way, Brian. Okay, you got to come out here and you got to earn your position. We're not promising jerseys. We're not promising starting. And then he goes out like, Seven, eight minutes later, and he says that. Um, I wasn't buying it. I was like, I was like, did he say that earlier to act as if those guys were gonna beat out Owen? Or did he just happen to say that because that's just something that trailer would normally say? But I don't know. I thought it was super interesting. I see it on both sides, man. Um, if you're transferring from another school and you go somewhere where you're not guaranteed the starting spot, that could end your career, man. I mean, like, like, let's say that you go to like Rice, Texas State, UTSA or whatever, 
you can't start there. You're probably going down to the FCS or even Division Two level from there, right? Because, like, let's say you're a UTSA and you don't start a quarterback. I mean, not even a school like a UTEP is probably going to want you, right? Because they can go get a guy that rode the bench at Power Five or Power Two, even sometimes. Um, so it's it's a big risk, I think, for the transfer quarterbacks to go somewhere where they're not going to be a for sure starter. I, I've said for months now that I I thought it was going to be hard for them to get a instant for sure starting quarterback out of the portal because. Owen and Eddie have played, they've been competitive, they've been in the system. And I, I just know that trailer and staff are not the type where they're going to tell the guy, yep, you're going to come here and start. Uh, we're going to tell our NIL collectives to give you 50K and let's get this thing done. You know, shake of the hand, right? Um, I think the reality of UTSA is more traditional <laughs> and more old school of uh, ways of the past. And there's there's benefits and there's, uh, you know, detractions to that. but. Um, I still feel very comfortable that they're still going to get a really good quarterback. Guys' options are going to really decrease after the spring. Mm. More guys are going to go to the portal. You're going to see guys that are in the mix at Power 5 schools that don't get the starting spot coming out of spring, that they're going to hop in the portal. Those guys are probably going to be better options than a lot of what's in the portal right now. Yeah, I, I do find it kind of fascinating, though, to be quite honest with you, Jared, that it's not at a lot of these schools guys playing out for the starting position. It is sort of handed on a silver platter. Is is that I mean, I mean, do you think that there's schools that are making that promise or is it or is it a false promise? Um, is UTSA really the only one of the only places that's actually having a competition for starting positions? Because whenever trailer says something like that, I'm I kind of roll my eyes like everybody is going to start the best guy at the position. No one yep. is actually just getting it handed to him and given to him. Um, but then he goes and he says something like that. So, you know, is there is there truth to it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a, a change in recruiting with NIL and transfer portal era. I, I think that's been happening. For decades, right? For decades, you know. Um, coaches lie to recruit space all the time. They tell them what they want to hear. Um, so I don't think that's anything new. That's always been the case when it comes to recruiting student athletes. Um, I think the players are smart enough now, though, to know what it's going to look like for them on at that on the on the roster at each potential school because. Mm-hmm. The, the kids aren't dumb, man. I mean, they can easily, you know, type in, you know, the returning quarterback's name on YouTube and see what they've got. Um, and a lot of them are working with agents and stuff now, too. Uh, so sure. they, they know, you know. And what about in your head? Do you think any of those guys win, win that quarterback room at UTSA? Any of the guys that we missed out? Um, yeah, I think all of them could have for sure. But right. it would have been a competition through the spring and like a heated one, right? Okay. I think, uh, you know, uh, Chandler Morris, uh, Texas State hired his dad, Chad. I mean, Chandler Morris is going to waltz into the starting job at Texas State. There's not going to be any real competition there whatsoever because yeah. uh, their starter left and uh, their backup transferred out. I mean, I don't even know who they've got in the spring. So assuming Chandler signs there, I mean, it's going to be a slam dunk for him. He doesn't have to compete, right? Um, just to give one example. 
And then Pavia went to Vanderbilt. You know, I think they lost their starter as well. So uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Is the distribution from high school signing to transfer this this more so 50-50 sort of split? Is that something that you know you should get used to as a as a UTSA fan, as a college football fan, that that this is going to be more of the norm? I think so. I mean, I think for a school like UTSA, you'll see them kind of sway from that 70% to 30% range, just depending on roster composition and stuff like that. Um, but I think the days of signing 25 high school kids for pretty much any program in America are done for. It has to be. Juco football's even Juco Juco football is going to get really good. <laughs> I think I think I think but I, but I think that your point stands even more so for an upper echelon G5, a high competition G5 like a UTSA. Just as, you know, these schools are springboards for coaches excelling their career, climbing that ladder, it's a springboard for student athletes that now with the transfer portal can go and now play at an even higher caliber school for a better yeah. NIL payout, a better NFL draft stock position. Yeah, and I think we saw this with Cam Alexander. I think the guys that you recruit out of the portal, they're going to have less loyalty um, to the school than guys that went through the full high school recruiting process and mm -hmm. came in with a class of 25 guys they kept in touch with on a group chat and, you know, met a bunch of people throughout their time in San Antonio and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I think it gets a lot more transactional for sure. I think you're right about that. Uh, other positions other than the quarterback, um, Trailer did say that they were looking at cornerback and safety for some additions. No surprise there. I mean, I think mm. both of those slots could still use a high impact guy, especially safety. Um, I think right. They really need a enforcer, strong safety type uh, to come in. Uh, I think I made a Clifford Chapman comparison on a previous podcast. You know, like that kind of player, like a bigger guy. Uh, they can play up in the box, but does have the ability to, to cover um, against the pass as well. Um, and that corner, I mean, they just lost a lot. There's a lot of playing time to go around. And I think the more talent they get in that position, the better. Your top three guys at the position gone. And yeah, I think you're still, you're still thin at both of those spots, cornerback and safety. However, I think at the cornerback who you've brought in to the cornerback position so far a little more sure thing than who you brought in at the safety position so far, a little more dice roll. Um, so I think we're in like a little bit better shape so far at the cornerback position than we are safety at this point. But I, yeah, it's still thin, still thin at both. Yeah. I'm, I'm also still a Zay Frazier truther. I still think he's going to be a good player for you to say, I think like with the playing yeah. time available for him this year, I think he's going to blossom a little bit. Breakout year. Yeah. Um, so now that they've signed all 22 guys, uh, give me like one transfer highlight for you and one high school highlight for you. Ooh. Doesn't necessarily have to be like who you think the best player is, but just like who's your personal favorite of guy that you're most looking forward to seeing uh, in the Navy and Orange. Yeah, this is really, really difficult, man. Um, I don't want to say... I don't want to say the, the go-to answer. You know, I think a lot of people are going to point at a DJ Allen and say that they're the most excited about him from this class or something like that. But mm -hmm. which I, I can see that for sure. But I don't think let that's me, uh, open or shut case. 
let me go controversial and say I'm really excited to see Denver Harris. Yeah, man, uh, absolutely. At, at, the, at, the, at the quarterback position. I don't know if we've ever had that really true, dirty shutdown. I mean, you can't even go up against him. I mean, this is a guy who can quite literally shut down the, the top AAC wideouts, right? And so I think Denver Harris probably when it comes to transfer is going to be who I'm Mm -hmm. most excited about I, I think he turns around and has a fantastic career here at utsa that was a little bit harder for me i think these guys are a lot of times really difficult to gauge mm -hmm. coming out of high school but i'll, I'll give you a non-college football starter if you want to pick a specialist <laughs> if, I, if i want to pick a specialist yeah no, 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 no. I think I'll stay. I think I'll stay with it. I mean, it's probably one of the new offensive line guys. I think both of them could blossom. Um, uh, well, I'm sorry. I, I think both Briley Brown or Davey and Hearth could equally mm -hmm. blossom at the offensive line position. I think I might be a little bit higher than Davy and Hurth, but I but I like that Briley Brown is a, is a local guy, O'Connor High sure. School. He's got the lineage too. So let me go with Briley. Yeah, let me go with Briley as the as the high school pick for me, and cool. let me go with Denver Harris as my transfer. Cool. So for my transfer, I'm going to pick a transfer receiver. That's not DJ Allen. I'm most nice. excited about JJ Sparkman from Texas Tech. Oh, I remember you. I remember you talking him up on our on our Patreon episode. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Allen is a more talented player. You know, he's definitely faster probably more explosive with the ball in his hands. But I feel like Sparkman is just such a great fit for UTSA's offense. I mean, I, I watch his highlights at Tech, and I see JT Clark all over his game, right? Mm. Um, so I think, like, his ability to block, his ability to pinpoint the high ball, a uh, gritty player that's produced the Power 5 level. Um, I'm really excited to see him and his physicality out wide. Um, there's something that UTSA really missed out on last season uh, with JT being out with injury. So I'm excited to get that back. Um, a clear traditional X receiver, which I love to see. Now I'm going even more off the grid at the high school level because I'm going to pick a guy that had no other offers that I know of. Mm. And Elijah Newell. He's a safety yeah. from Arkansas. He ended up giving a pretty high rating uh, from 24 seven. They gave him an 85, which is pretty solid. Uh, but he's not someone that a lot of schools are, are clued in on. And, you know, UTSA has not recruited a lot of high school safeties under just left. They got two, you know, in a really high rated Kenyon Kelly um, out of Denison and then with Newell. But I, I'm just really excited about Newell. He's just a ball player. You know, I feel like he can play almost any position on the field and be productive there. I really like his um, ball skills when the ball's in the air. And he's got really good quickness under the radar gym for UTSA. He's probably not going to play much this year, maybe not the year after that, but I think he's going to develop into a uh, Ken Robinson level contributor for the Red Runners. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I like both of those picks a lot. Yeah, and I remember you were both high on, on or you were high on both of those guys mm -hmm. in our first early signing day episode, which again, you guys need to go back and check that out so you yep. can learn about the rest of the class. But so far, I, I I think this this class looks fantastic. Which which of course everything points that I what are we the the best per recruit 
yeah like average rating per average per yeah, yeah 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 there you go and and that's still skewed right because some of those uh transfers they don't get reassessed like Kamar Missouri doesn't have a great at all Brevin Randall doesn't have a great at all um so I think that kind of throws it off a little bit I think both of those guys probably get at least a 0.85 or 0.8 at minimum on 24-7 if they were to get ranked so mm-hmm. um I think that you know, UT says quality class. I, I I do really believe that um it is quality per recruit. It's just, you know, some of these other schools are getting maybe a little bit less quality, but a lot more players, and that does matter and building depth as well. So we'll see how it plays out. I mean, uh, obviously you want to be at the top of the rankings for sure, don't get me wrong, but I'm not panicked at all with this class. And and I'm a pretty big like stars matter kind of guy when it comes to college football. Uh, I think even at the G5 level, it's less predictable than, you know, the top of the sport. Uh, but I do think that overall, you know, when you go back and look at these recruiting rankings, they do tend to be fairly indicative of future success. Uh, but I think, you know, UTSA is going to overcome that. And I think the recruiting industry is lagging behind a lot of the Ooh. changes that have happened in college football. So yeah, um, if I'm not panicked, hopefully other people are not as well because I'm such a big recruiting nut. <laughs> no reason to panic. And I think they're going to get some studs before August. Oh yeah, we well we we've seen Jeff Trailer do this before at the you know midnight hour. All of a sudden, some names coming through right before fall camp starts, and uh, yeah, it, it's sometimes there'll, there'll be some pretty big splashes. So don't be surprised. Any other final thoughts? No, I'm excited. Let's get after it. 2024. Yeah, spring. it's good spring ball. Well, the next time that you'll hear from us, um, well, uh, maybe I shouldn't say that because we are recording that baseball preview episode on Monday, mm. uh, but we will be recording the Domies tomorrow night. The votes are in. They've been tallied. Adrian and I are a little disappointed in some of the selections, uh, but we will voice our strong opinions uh, when we release the Domies episode. So stay tuned for that. This should be dropping sometime next week. Uh, but it was, it's a blast as always putting that together and we're already making some tweaks for 2024 to make it even better so thanks to everyone who voted and we'll see you guys back uh, for those two episodes we got a lot lined up for February man a lot huge month <laughs>